Hi, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is Blackthorne Grove. For those of you who are new to the podcast, blackthornsbotanicals.com has some great teas, ritual oils, magical candles, and more for the next bit. I know not everyone can get to the podcast right away. I'm going to put up a podcast-only coupon code code podcast all lowercase on blackthornsbotanicals.com for 20% off anything you find in the store try and help as best I can and and apparently Lilu agrees that's blackthornsbotanicals.com and offer code podcast all lowercase Hey, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is The Blackthorne Grove, a podcast where witchcraft meets with good friends over tea to talk about the nature of magic and community. Today, I'm going to be talking with some very fantastic humans, uh, and we're going to talk about not only tarot, but also self-care and wellness and recognizing our, our own inner needs, as well as uh, the outward expression of those. So first, we have Cassandra Snow, who is, uh, I'm so excited for working with this book. I, I can't, I really can't tell you. Uh, they've been a tarot reader in some capacity since they were 18 years old and have gone pro in the last decade. Their work includes teaching and writing about tarot and witchcraft, as well as doing readings. Cassandra is also calling on their BA in theater arts and humanities from Waldorf College for this project and a decade and a half of experience they have in leading creative teams as a theater director, producer, show curator with the Gadfly Theater Productions. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much for having me. You can find Cassandra at cassandra-snow.com and on Instagram at mix.cassandra.snow. Um, that's M-X period. And uh, we are also joined by Siri Vincent Plouffe and the brain behind the Radical Heathen podcast, Heathen's Journey. Siri runs several flagship teaching programs, such as the annual Witchcraft Immersion, which is a witchcraft apprenticeship program, and Radical Runes. They've been practicing witch for nearly 20 years and have been reading Intero Runes professionally for six. You can find them at siri.vincent.pluff, P-L-O-U-F-F. Please tell me I'm pronouncing that correctly. (laughs) You actually are. Score! It's shocking. <laughs> and uh, northernlightswitch.com. Thank you so much both for, for hanging out with me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on. <laughs> okay, so lessons from the Empress. When I got the, the promotional materials for it, when I talked to our, our mutual publicist, I can't speak, uh, about this project. I got so excited. Where did this come from? I... <laughs> So, so I, uh, we, <laughs> uh, this is our first interview together, like as a duo, yeah. so, uh, we'll probably excitedly talk over each other a lot. Yeah. I'm very sorry for the editing process. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we actually ended up teaching this, uh, at this book was born out of a course that we taught together last summer. Um, I had the year previously, so 2020 first year of the pandemic, I had, done a program with another mutual friend and fantastic witch, Lacey Perpich-Hedke, here in Minneapolis on um, self-care for weird times. And then the next summer, I wanted to do it again. So I reached out to Cassandra and I was like, hey, like, 
we vibe together. Let's do this. But let's, uh, I think we both kind of mutually thought that doing it around creativity was a really good idea. Yeah. Well, and I have been wanting to do a class on creativity for a really long time and like a longer form class like this was like not just a one shot. So we, I think we kind of just thought it was a really good opportunity to blend our sort of desires around that. And then as we were designing the class, we wrote a workbook, which ended up being a book book. So we decided to kind of repackage it and just um, create the standalone book. Yeah. I am so thrilled to read this because I've been a professional reader since 99 and I've gotten to read it all over everywhere. But the ideas of putting this work into a workbook and genuinely giving someone the path to follow instead of just handing someone a pack of cards and saying like, good luck, Godspeed. Yeah. (laughs) I, I love this. Well, thank you. Yeah, we really wanted to make it something that was actionable. I feel like in addition to what you said about people just grabbing a deck and being told to just go, I feel it. I felt like a lot of tarot books and I'm including my own first one in this, like really don't give you the opportunity to sort of like do the work as you're going. It's just presented as like, well, here's my ideas. I hope you like them. And so I like that this one gets to be really hands-on and it has stuff for the reader to do at every turn to take care of themselves, nurture some creativity. I absolutely love the way Siri folded in ritual and spell work. They did a lot of those parts for us. Um, Yeah, so that was the fun part for me was like, not only like talking about what tarot is, I'm like telling them how to do it. Like, I don't know, with like activities, I guess. It was just more fun for me. Yeah, I think it also um, challenged us. I'll start over, sorry. Um, Yeah, I think it also challenged us to um, expand our own like activities and stuff because we did, as a part of the class, we did so much um, activities with students. It was five, I believe, because we had the major arcanas and then each each of the suits had their own night. We explored a different side of creativity for each night and self-care for each night. And um, they were three hour long workshops where basically people could just like, we would give prompts, people would work on stuff, like we would talk about tarot, but it was really this sort of creative incubator for a lot of those students. Um, And it was really fantastic to turn that into a book that hopefully people can have a similar sort of experience as they work through it. And then also learn about the tarot. Like you don't need any prior knowledge of the tarot to pick up this book and get something out of it. And that's so beneficial. Uh, A lot of people have picked up tarot as a pandemic hobby and all they see is, you know, 30 second TikToks of somebody pulling a card and talking about a card, but they don't get the support and understanding and nourishing that uh practicing with peers friends instructors can give them and i i feel sad for people who don't have it because it's it's so affirming of your practice to have someone like give you a pat on the back give you a separate vision of what they're talking about like being able to interact with other real people yeah And this is actually one of the things that I really love about Cassandra's work all the time. And then also a lot of the other tarot writers that we're in community with. Um, 
when I started reading tarot, like 16 years ago, oh my God. Um, I, I haven't said that number in a while. <laughs> when, I, when I started reading tarot 16 years ago, I, it was in the context of a coven. And so I was like, okay, I can only read tarot on the full moon and it has to be a Celtic crossbred. And I have to, you know, like cast a full circle around myself and the cards. And I just like made it this huge thing for so much of, you know, my learning tarot. And I really love Cassandra's work and other tarot writers work in that it makes it like, no, pull, pull a card a day, pull two cards a day. You know, yeah. like it doesn't have to be this huge ritualistic thing. And yes, tarot is incredibly mystic. And it's something that I think is very special and it is indeed extremely occult. Um, but it's also a tool that you can and should use as much as you want to. Absolutely. Um, one of my dear, dear friends, uh, Victoria Lari, is an intuitive who also writes uh, mysteries that I love. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Her main character is um, an intuitive who goes and helps uh, solve crimes. It's fun. Uh, but her intuition classes that we've talked about, she's like, don't get too precious about your, your setup and your space. Like, these are cards. This, this can be a beautiful ritual practice that empowers your spirituality or it can help you figure out what you're going to do tomorrow yeah and understanding that both of those things can exist in the same space is so important yeah and that's I definitely use mine for big things I'm going through some really difficult things in my personal life right now so the tarot has had all of that big weight but it also like I'm also still like my siblings are coming tomorrow, which is going to be fun, but I'm having like a lot of just panicking, like, oh no, what if it's not fun? So I'm pulling cards just to be like, what fun things can I do to entertain them while they're here? Um, and like, to me, that feels like it has a lot of weight because it's like soothing my like very real anxiety. But like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I take them to the lake or a museum, you know, <laughs> like, but it's still really fun to have tarot be used in all of those ways. And I do think that our upcoming book explores that um, from a lot of different fronts. That's fantastic. Uh, do you have a favorite deck to work through the workbook with? Ooh. <laughs> I was gonna ask you what your favorite deck is and I figured everybody asks you that probably. <laughs> it's also like a moving goal. Like it changes all the time. Although I will say my favorite deck in general for a while has been the Fat Folks Tarot, which is getting a re-release um, this spring. We also, Siri and I have a mutual friend, Diana Rose, who did the book for the Rosebud Tarot, which I think would be a wonderful one for this workbook because it's a lot of collage and so much creativity went into it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I'm going to try to, I'm going to challenge myself not to say an indie deck, um, <laughs> because people might struggle to get their hands on, you know, like some of my very favorite decks, like the slow holler tarot, like they never did a re-release of that, you know, like those are very, very beautiful. Um, I feel like tarot of the divine would be a Ooh, really good one. Yeah to work through this workbook with. That one is a, a deck that is uh, folklore from around the world. Um, and it's very fun. 
fun, very brightly colored. Um, and hmm, I don't know, I guess I would say like pick whatever is either the most fun for you or the deck whose art you connect with the most. That's fantastic. If I was recommending it for someone else, I would either grab the Spacious Tarot as an indie Ooh, yeah. or the um, the Oracle Tarot as a um, major publisher, you know, yeah. with access. Uh, when I was writing, there's a chapter in Blackthorn's Botanical Wellness that comes out once out. And it goes through the major arcana and healing rituals that can drive someone forward. And so what I would do was I'd go to Google image search and pull up the card that I'm working with that day and just look at 30 different cards, whatever comes up. Yeah. I hadn't seen the spacious tarot. So when I saw their death card and just the hand reaching and the little vines wrapped around the bones, like, I'm like, this is my life. This is, this is where I want it. Um, yeah. if, if I was reading for myself, I would probably say the deviant moon. Nice, nice. Yeah. It's definitely a powerful uh, artwork. Oh, I would also say too, if we want one that is, so this is an indie one, but it, it's like easier to find. And I think you can find it at various price levels, but I would yeah. also say the next world tarot. Hmm. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, like she I bought it. produce it herself, but. I think it actually was um, bought up. Okay. Um in a good way I don't know how right. to say that but like no I know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it is it is much easier to come across like um so a lot of occult bookstores now will have be able to like yeah. get it in stock and have access to it like it's easier for wholesalers I should say yeah <laughs> that was fantastic okay so yeah because everyone has their own personality when it comes to reading and the cards that they choose. Um, I was talking about this with Matt Oren at PantheaCon in 2019. The This newer trend of some publishers wanting to cater to um, collectors of a, a variety of decks and providing thinner card stock instead of stuff that'll hold up for readers who are reading with them. Yeah, uh, and it's it's definitely been something that I've paid more attention to uh, when I'm collecting because I you know I've got a room full of tarot decks. <laughs> some of them I want to read for me. Some of them I'll read with uh, for clients. But it's so important to try and figure out what does the card stack look like before I get my heart set on reading for this for clients. <laughs> when I th I'm actually not a deck collector. Like I'm pretty picky about my decks, especially at this point. Right. Um, and I'm someone who just in life doesn't like to have a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, and like, if you saw my house, you would be like, what? But if you saw the things I did not bring home from the thrift store, <laughs> um, but, um, so, but like, and for me, it's like, I don't know. It's part of like my animus belief almost of like, I don't want to have stuff unless I'm going to really use it a lot and like really work with it and have a relationship with it. Because of that, my decks get used a lot. And so that's almost why I am like kind of a holdout about indie decks because I feel like by and large, the card quality, they're so intentional and careful with it. Yes. Um, yes. 
any other exceptions, but I haven't been disappointed by, again, I'm not out buying every deck that comes across my Instagram feed. So I haven't been disappointed when I've gone that route. Can I tell you, I just, so I had an interview, the most, it's the most recent episode for those of you who are playing the home game. Uh, this deck just tickles me to no end. It's uh, the Tarot Mood by Natalie Meraki. Since we're talking about the, the texture and the feel and the cards themselves, this genius of a human had them printed on recycled plastic. Oh, so not only are they cool. easy to shuffle, you don't get that really angry um, chafing on the tip of your thumb from the shuffling. Yeah. You, I, I can read tarot in the bubble bath with these cards. They're That's not so cool. They're not coated paper. They're actually recycled plastic. So they shuffle really well. Um, and so I now what have to tell you that this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say before that, Siri? I don't remember. Oh, sorry. So sorry. It wasn't important. I'm sure it was. Maybe it'll come back. It was probably just me like gushing about another indie deck that I absolutely adore because which one was it? Oh God. Um probably so the deck that I'm currently working with is the um Hollow Valley Tarot. Oh yeah. Which is really fun. Um the layers to that deck are incredible. Um and actually two of my students created it and so they're they're like students turned colleagues which is like my favorite thing in the world when that happens um but it's it's just great and um i i was about to say that i oh this is what it was i was about to say that i am not a deck collector and then i realized that oh i think i've gotten a new tarot deck every month this year oops (laughs) I didn't buy one this month but my spouse just bought me one so (laughs) yeah that's fantastic yeah there have just been too many amazing decks lately and I am I'm also pretty picky about what I bring home so like that says a lot that I've been indulging a little bit more it has been a really good, I would say, year and a half for decks. Yeah. I just kickstarted um, one that is inspired by the movie Practical Magic, but it's actually not, the art isn't that. It's like very, I almost want to say simple art, but it's like really striking and beautiful. Um, and that one comes with an oracle. And I think I bought more oracle this year than I ever have in my life. Yeah. Um, Oh, that sounds really pretty. Is the Kickstarter still going on? It yeah. is. Um, it's ground. Uh, they are grounded by the moon on Instagram. And so they have all this stuff up because it runs out soon. Well, I'm totally going to go there and promote this. It was, an Im- <laughs> it was an impulse. Like I was sad on a Tuesday decision, but I actually do not regret it at all. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oracle decks have been kind of kicking around in my brain recently. There was a a conversation in my discord server, um, which is connected to my Patreon um, in the like tarot and Oracle chat um, about how people have this kind of like weird conception about Oracle decks that they're either like super fluffy, AKA like have no substance or just like 
pretty, but won't do much for you. Or people see Oracle decks that are like scary, like <laughs> really goth and are like, oh my God, that Oracle decks are not for me. That's weird. Um, and so I I've been kind of thinking... <laughs> Yeah, I've been kind of kicking around this idea of like a, for like a blog post, we'll see if I get to it, of like how to acquaint yourself with an Oracle deck. Oh, yeah. Because every single deck is so different and the intentionality behind Oracle decks is, I think, actually pretty special. And I think a lot of tarot readers can kind of look down their noses at Oracle decks sometimes, and that's not fair. Um. One of my favorite decks actually from the last couple of years, it's, it was released a while ago, but, um, uh, I didn't get it until last summer was the, um, hollow Valley book of symbols, Ooh. deck of symbols. And it's just like, it's an Oracle deck and each card has a singular symbol. So one might be the web. Another might be, um, key like like a house key another might be uh something you know like like spider or antler or something like that um and the the book is really nicely thought out um and that's probably my favorite oracle deck right now yeah this just became like the deck love podcast i'm sorry i I am not not that sad about it (laughs) I also was going to say too, that like, I do see a lot of like love and light, like fluffy-ish Oracle decks out there at the same time. I knew that that was really just scratching the surface. Like that has never been why I have been pickier about Oracle, Oracle decks. For me, it is like, I know what makes a tarot deck tick. And it always just seems scary to me to pick up an entirely new system and learn it. (laughs) And then through writing this book and through, we're in a writer's group with someone who's doing pretty intense work with numerology and tarot. And then my own understanding of symbols has grown so much that like, I think a lot of why I'm grabbing a lot this year is it just doesn't like scare me (laughs) the way it once did. I'm like, okay, I at least have a common language of numbers, of symbols, of what it, how to analyze what is going on even if it's just a single um symbol against a background yeah um, one of my favorite oracle decks is the alturinga oniromancy deck yeah. um which was adapt it was like it grew out of a graphic novel and the graphic novel is about this girl who has like a dream world that she lives in every night and has to go on quests there and stuff like that. And then the, the art is just really gorgeous. And that one is not fluffy. No, like that, that one is just like, bitch, I told you already (laughs) death tower (laughs) or like the equivalents. It's just like, no, (laughs) for sure. I love that. Um, but the artwork is gorgeous for that one. I'm trying to think of the name of the deck that I got recently. It's uh, it's actually an outgrowth of a fiction series. Was it Raven's Moon? Raven's Moon Oracle? Is it the Raven's Prophecy? Thank you. Oh, no. oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. See? Yeah. And that's a ma- if people are listening, that's the one main- mainstream one that's easy to grab. I like um, that it's dark and emotive without being yeah. cliche. Right. It's just I do beautifully. It's one I never picked up. And then I do snail mail offerings sometimes. And mm-hmm. a friend said, oh, hey, I'm not really using, I or I have an extra one of these. Would you want to use it for snail mail? And I got it. And I actually, I used it for snail mail, but I loved it. And I was like, hey, uh, do you happen to have another one? And he was like, 
you know what I actually do here? <laughs> and like, I would have bought it, but it, this friend just had a, a big surplus of decks for whatever reason. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, so now I use the Raven's Prophecy Tarot quite a bit. I would love to hear where each of you found tarot initially. Uh, Siri's looking at me, I can tell even though it's Zoom. So <laughs> my story is kind of not, it doesn't start fun because I had a really traumatic freshman year of college. Um, a bunch of just like really awful stuff happened to me, including stuff that when I tell people, they're like, how do you not have a Lifetime movie? And I'm like, I don't know, hit me up Lifetime. But um, I will happily sell you this story of toxic friendship. But I say all of that to say, um, I was in a really dark place and I was really looking for answers and I gr was raised Christian, although I will say my mom was not very, was not a very conservative Christian, but it was still like, if you had problems, you turned to Christian God and there was no other solutions. <laughs> so um, I went to a very oppressive, constricting Baptist school um, for college uh, because they had a theater major program that was supposed to be decent. And um it was horrible. It was like one trauma after another. And I was just looking for answers and I was not finding them the places I was told I was supposed to. And a friend handed me a deck almost as a joke um, and was like, hey, you're psychic, which was like not a thing I had said about myself to these people. So that threw me. And then <laughs> she was like, see how you do with these. And I just made a joke of it that night because we were just like joking around, but a lot of the imagery was just so striking to me and was very like, I don't know, it like resonated in me. It like upset me in the right way. Like, oh wait, there might be answers elsewhere. And so for a while I practiced in secret. I would borrow my roommate's tarot deck when she wasn't even home because we didn't get along. That's not something I would do now. That's disrespectful, but like, um, I don't like you, but I'm going to use your stuff while you're gone. That's <laughs> rude. But um, that's what I did at 18. Um, and I spent a lot of late nights like by myself looking at the images and I really like, um, I didn't really have a lot of options to me. I didn't love the counseling option at the school. Um, a lot of my friends who were very wrapped up in the school's faith were like not sympathetic to me at all about some of this trauma. And <laughs> not only did it feel like it was very healing and, but I also just felt like it listened. It was like affirming in ways that I was not experiencing elsewhere in my life. And so I kind of picked it up off and on through college and then started taking it seriously after college. And I think that that was just because I had just come out of school and I was used to studying. <laughs> and there was a tarot deck that I hadn't fully like hacked in my room. And then that easily snowballed into like obsession. <laughs> so um, yeah, what about you, Siri? I don't think I've ever heard your like start start. Ooh, yeah. So um, when I was a teenager, I was uh, initiated into a coven, um, a Wiccan coven. And um, there were a lot of issues with this coven. 
that I won't get into is a pretty also similarly like kind of a tra- like a pretty traumatic experience actually. Yeah. But um that doesn't mean that the high priest and high priestess weren't intuitive. Um, and they did kind of push me in certain directions or help me at least connect with the resources that I needed ultimately later in life. Um, so it's very, I have like very mixed feelings about that whole experience, but, um, the high priestess and I were hanging out one day and she was like, you know what? You're really intuitive. You should pick up a tarot deck. Um, next time you go to Borders, which was the Barnes and Noble of the Midwest, um, next <laughs> Borders. I know it was so great. I do too. Um, next time you go to Borders, you should just buy, like, choose a tarot deck. So then, this girl that I, I this is how I'm remembering it, but this may not actually have been how this happened. But I remember that this girl that I had a crush on, who was also in the coven, ended up taking me. We ended up going to borders like together and I ended up picking out a deck and I brought it home and started playing around with it. And I think I had a huge respect for what I could tell Tarot did. And that kind of led to that very restrictive, like only do Tarot on the full moons. You have to cast a circle before you do it. Like all of this stuff in a way that like absolutely was not necessary. Um, actually the tarot deck that I picked up, I was, I was, I have always been a very nostalgic person. Like even as a teenager where you don't have as much to be nostalgic about, I was very nostalgic. Um, I picked up a fairies deck, um, which is so funny because now I like don't do any work with Fae. Well, I do work with spirits, but like not with like the Celtic imagining of Fae. Um, and, and I do, but I still haven't worked with any of those decks. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it kind of reminded me of like Brian Froud's illustration style, oh, yeah. but it wasn't <laughs> Brian Froud. And that was his fairies was like really important for me as a child. Um, and so that's why I picked up that deck. And then when I went away to college, I broke from the coven and decided that, Hey, like, I want to try something different. I'm drawn to tarot, but I don't want to use this deck anymore. I think I had gotten rid of that deck perhaps. Um, and so I ended up picking up an Arthurian tarot deck because I was a huge King Arthur nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the theme of Siri being obsessed with like mythology, folklore, and literature yeah. <laughs> like, I continues yeah. is a through line. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's so interesting because neither of those are in like, like the types of witchcraft that you work with or anything, or like none of, neither of those are like in that lineage at all. Meanwhile, they are like super in mine and I like explicitly don't work with those decks because I'm like, no, I'm going to put too much on it. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, I don't know. Well, and it was funny. I think it was like, in part, I was looking towards Celtica and like more like Irish, like Scottish, English. I mean, just, you know, like, British Isles-ish stuff. Um, sorry, that was that was a weird way to say that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think I was really drawn to Celtica because the high priest and priestess that I of that toxic coven 
did work more in Norse stuff. And so I didn't want to work with runes. I didn't want to work with, you know, Odin and Freya because those were their patron god and goddess. And so, um, so yeah, I was really drawn to that, um, because it was a little bit, it felt independent. Um, and then of course, like I ended up falling in love with the Norse myths, the Norse legends, Odin came for me, like, he was just like, no, you're, you're mine now. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of that, but yeah, that, that's my story, my tarot story. It's funny. I got tricked into it. <laughs> like, how is that a thing? My mom had my grandmother's crystal ball. And I was obsessed with this from like the minute I could walk. I was after this, like, oh, love it, touch it, play with it, be near it. Just like obsessed to the point where in the fifth grade, we had a, like a Renaissance fair day in our fifth grade class and people dressed up in costumes. And I smuggled that thing out of the house in a pillowcase <laughs> so by the time I was 14 she had just tired of hearing it so we were at a um, we were at a flea market and someone had a, um, a barely used um, Rider Waite Smith for 50 cents or something and so my 14 year old I'm like oh my god this is amazing mom's like here just, just take this and maybe it'll shut you up <laughs> so I'm like okay I just, I just had a deep brain memory awaken um <laughs> So this was like before I was even initiated, like this was when I was in middle school, like maybe sixth or seventh grade middle school. Um, I had a lock-in at church, um, which my church was not very conservative at all growing up. I still rebelled against them, but that's just because I'm not Christian, Um, not because they were, you know, gnarly or oppressive or anything like that. and to make it bearable for myself, this lock-in at this Christian church, ugh, um, I brought a deck of cards and pretended to read tarot. That's fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love that. I think I had like a bowl of water in the middle of the table or something, like, I, like because I didn't have a crystal ball or anything. So I just like had a bowl of water in the middle of the table yeah like yeah that was that was my first uh that was my first tarot (laughs) experience that's so funny I did grow up like even though I was raised Christian I did grow up really fascinated with like the occult and the paranormal um I loved the movie now and then and I related the most to the character who like wanted to have the seance in the graveyard and oh my god same yeah um and I I related to her for personal reasons as well, but like that also that fascination with like the occult and was definitely very real. Um, so I would say when I got into it later, it was almost like a return to that um, because I just never had gotten to fully explore it. Gotcha. You know, what? I just thought of this. It may be a different answer from your first one. If it's not, that's cool too. Uh, what if someone came to you and said okay I want to learn what deck would you hand them that's not a Rider Waite Smith I think a lot of the ones I named I would still stick with I would maybe add that this might hurt because it's 
such a modern clone, but of the RWS, but also does have such like modern imagery. Mm -hmm. um, and Isabella is still queer and radical and all of those things. Um, so that'd probably be the only one I'd like add to the list maybe. Yeah, I would say Next World is a really great place to start. I love the book that goes with that, which is always, <laughs> when I'm recommending a tarot deck to somebody for the first time, for their first deck, I always say like, look for decks that have a really good and comprehensive book with them. <laughs> because if they don't, um, you might be struggling or you might want to get a supplementary book. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of believe that like, if you get your first tarot deck, like you shouldn't have to get like half a library of books to be able to understand what's going on. Exactly. Um, so I really love the next world for that. I also, again, like I'm like plugging Hollow Valley right now, but like <laughs> the Hollow Valley deck of symbols, um, not deck of tarot, tarot, the Hollow Valley tarot is also an excellent book. Um, controversial take, I would recommend people avoid the wild unknown. I actually agree. Yeah. Which that's... is, which is like, it's a, I only say that because it's a really popular beginner book or beginner deck, but I don't think that her book is great for students. Yeah. I really think that that's a deck that requires some experience under your quarters before you jump in. My, the, I opened the box and I, and I shuffled and I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what I'm looking at the artwork and this thing kicked me in the face. What? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Um, I really love the housewives tarot for oh, beginners yeah. who think that they can't read. And yeah. because it's not just the book is okay. I like, you know, I like the book. I love the, the kitsch of it, the little recipe cards. And it looks like a recipe box. Adorable. But when you look at it as a, especially as a professional reader, um, they border each element with the right color. So, you know, so you, people yeah. don't have to guess, is this, a, is this a fire card? Is this a water card? Like, how am I supposed to read this? It's got the visual cues in there. The border for Major Arcana is black. So it sets itself apart. It's a great deck, but it really has a depth of knowledge and experience that I would not have assumes that it had before opening the box and looking at it. It's a great deck. I, I have, um, I also have the digital app for my phone. If I want to pull a card, I can just, I don't have to damage my cards in my bag. It's great because it really speaks to you um, as, a, as a cultural understanding. It's not yeah. modern by any, you know, by any stretch, but I really love that it's presents itself in a way that is fun for practitioners but also open-handed for beginners. One yeah, I think with beginning decks, it's really important that it's not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say one final deck that I would add to this specifically, although different with some caveats is um, the Numinous Tarot for the reason Siri said that the book is really good. It's really thorough. The deck is itself is extremely intentional and well thought out. And I think that that's a much easier in for tarot newbies, because when you can kind of follow the creator's thought process by looking at it and comparing it to the book, I think it just clicks better. The caveat I would add is that Cedar McLeod does a bunch of incredible reimaginings of suits, of court cards, of some of the majors. 
Um, and so I think that it's not like, if at any point you want a different deck, you will need a different deck with a book that is just as good for that deck. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it has sort of the cross deck, but some of it does. And there's what I think is interesting and important about reading multiple decks is like, there are things I pick up from a guidebook in one that is specific for that deck, but then I notice it in all of my other decks anyway, even if those guidebooks didn't like say it. And oh, so yeah. it's like certain creators, um, like pick up on something and then yeah. highlight it in their work. And then you start noticing it as you're working with other decks too. Yeah. And I do think the Numinous is a really incredible example of that book because I cite that book to clients kind of a lot, even if that's not the deck I'm using. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also totally agree with that. Um, it's a very good, very well thought out deck. Yeah. Do you have a favorite experience with reading for a client that really touched you or touched them or was significant to you? I don't know. So I don't know that I have one. I The answer is yes. I don't know that I necessarily want to share just because a lot of those stories aren't mine to share. Um, I respect that. But I think that there have been some people, I'll just say there, I've had a couple clients have that like have known they're at the end of life that have had some terminal illnesses. And I think the relationship that I formed with those clients was like so impactful in such a specific way. And I feel just very honored that I am a person that they selected to kind of go through that process with. Um, but that's all I, I think those have probably been my most touching experiences, but again, that so much of that is not mine to tell. That's beautifully put. Thank you. Yeah. Without getting into any kind of details, um, about like the client themselves, I've definitely done readings either usually with runes actually for this kind of reading, but sometimes with tarot as well. I have a client who is trying to figure out what to do magically mm. about an issue. They're trying to figure out what to do magically about an issue. And um, they uh, ask for help and advice. And um, that is always really it's just really exciting. I love designing magical rituals. I love designing like spell work. I like that is, I love doing that. Um, otherwise like the, one of the capacities that I most like working with clients in is, um, the year ahead readings that I do every mm -hmm. year. Those are great. I love those. I love mine yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, they're just, it's really intimate being able to like map out a year with a client. Um, and then those clients tend to come back and say, well, shit, Siri. <laughs> yes. You said this would happen and it happened. I, I, used to, I used to say that I'm not a predictive reader and now I've just had enough like year ahead readings go that way that I, I can't say that I'm not a predictive reader anymore. I just can't. Do you get, do you sometimes get like the four month check-in? It always seems to happen around April for me where yes. I get a flood of messages that are like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
um I do get those I definitely get those um and it is also always April for me yeah I think it takes a few months to like sit on it and then all of a sudden everything clicks (laughs) yeah what is something that you wished was talked about more amongst tarot practitioners that's a really good question that I do not have a canned answer for (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I have two kind of opposite answers. Yes. The first one is kind of a boring answer, but like, (laughs) I wish that so many people get into tarot with an idea of going pro. And I wish that we talked more about the realities of that. And to be very clear, I love what I do, Mm -hmm. but to build a client base, to build a following doing it, I had to work with a lot of clients who are not my ideal client. And in some cases were even kind of nasty. Um, I had to put myself in situations where I felt very vulnerable, like parties and stuff, just because I have such extreme social anxiety. And I really had to just pull up my big queer panties and do it. And like, um, and so you are going to have to really stretch and put yourself. It's never what people envision that it's going to be. I think people always think they're always going to have ideal clients who will rave about them. And that's not the reality at all. And I wish that we showed sort of a more warts and all approach to this as a career. And then people always underestimate things like how much taxes they have to pay and stuff like that, because no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid an amount that like made me want to eat myself into the sun this year. Like, I, um, so, and I, we just really don't, I guess. So that's my boring answer, but I want to hear Siri's answer because I forgot what my other one is. Um, I think uh, one thing that, mm, I think kind of my conversation earlier about Oracle decks and how like, how to utilize or- Oracle decks like oh, alongside yeah. tarot is something that I think we could talk about. Um, I also totally agree with Cassandra. Like I started Northern Lights, which like the business like six years ago and, you know, I still am working to build a client base. Um, and it just, it takes a long time. Um, so I think that that's really important. Um, the other thing that I would just really love to see more of, and I think this is kind of like my, my personal, direction that I'm headed is um more talk about Marseille Mm -hmm. I don't read with a ton of Marseille I'm in the like researching and learning phase of being obsessed with Marseille style decks um but I there's something really nice um about working with Marseille particularly as somebody who does have a little bit more of a predictive bent to their reading style um and I also just really love feeling connected to like to that because um, of how close Marseille style decks are to p- just like reading playing cards. Um, and that is a very like magical thing. And so utilizing tarot for magic um, in that way. Um, hmm, I feel like I have a lot of takes today. I was going to say my other, my spicier answer that is more about the tarot itself is like, I wish 
there's a lot of it happening now. I still wish that there was more calling out of white supremacy, fat phobia, yeah. like really big problems in the deck. And I think in terms of queering the tarot, a lot of those really vital conversations have been had. And at the same time, a lot of white queer readers, for example, are still using correspondences that like, yes, are in the card, but maybe are not yours to use if you have not developed a relationship with them. Um, and I, th and so I think stuff like that. And then seeing a lot of white creators make a lot of money doing art on tarot decks that should have been done by a black person or an indigenous person. And like, I still wish we were developing more of a willingness to call that out because it is happening on a small scale. Um, but that is a really big one for me. And then I brought up fat phobia just because of the 20 something decks I use regularly, I can count on one hand, the number that have a fat person in a flattering way. I can count on one hand. And even of the ones I've seen or thought about getting or explored, there still is just not that. It's still very frowned on. And so I think if we want to be true, and I would say the same is probably true for disabled or non-invisible disabilities, because how do you show invisible ones that, but like, um, disabilities, on, that's one of the reasons I like the Numinous. There actually is a lot of disability representation in it. Um, same with the Next World Tarot. But, and that's not really, what do I wish we were talking about more? Because I feel like every tarot reader I know is talking about these things, but not necessarily publicly. And it's not necessarily influencing the decks that get the big support and money at the way it needs to be. Right. Hmm. When I talked to Natalie last, last episode, under, helping people understand the lack of diversity that we're seeing, because especially newer practitioners, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I really, there's a couple decks that have been lauded um, as inclusive and beautiful and moving forward, and none of them had disability representation in them. But I, I expected at least one peak at a wheelchair somewhere, and, and I was disappointed, and I, it keeps happening. I'm looking forward to checking out the newness because I representation matters, and we've, we've talked about this before, but I, it's so interesting because this is one of the groups that you can join tomorrow and you have no say. Yeah. So people acting like this is some other people's issues. Yeah. Like you absolutely can't say that. I'll also say the fat folks tarot is, I hesitate to even say it's inclusive because to me, a lot of the point, it's not inclusivity. It's let's give the reins to BIPOC creators, disabled creators, queer creators, et cetera, et cetera. But the Fat Folks Tarot is a collective of fat artists, um, many of whom have intersectionality in other areas. And I think it's it shows in the deck like that that is how they're approaching it. That's fantastic. You said you had more spicy takes, Siri. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I was listening so intensely that I have forgotten them. They've, they've oh, flitted no. away. That's okay though. Um, oh, another thing, um, like 
talking about different styles of reading. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I feel like it's something that people don't necessarily talk about a ton. I got much more comfortable with reading tarot after I discovered the Little Red Tarot website. Mm-hmm. Um, when that was much more active. Um, and that was a much more like self-care, like symbolic kind of style of reading than I had ever learned about. Um, and, you know, as we know, there's like predictive reading, there's like spirit communication type styles of readings. You know, there, there are all of these different styles of working with tarot. And I feel like we don't necessarily give the reins or even outline what they are um, in a lot of ways, you know, and it's like, okay to be a specific kind of reader but it's also okay to like broaden your horizons around that so well, that's I always feel like I have to specify when people come to me that like I'm a pretty eclectic reader but that also means I need a little more gli- guidance on like what my client is seeking than a reader who maybe reads one specific way like I need to know like when you envision getting a tarot reading, like what do you envision? Because nine times out of 10, I can do that. I just need to know that that's the hat I'm putting on. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I don't even know if that's something that people aren't talking about in tarot. It's more so that it's just like, maybe that I honestly haven't been doing a ton of reading in tarot. Like I have a, I have a bookshelf of to be read tarot books that I'm waiting to get to but I am a prolific yeah I I'm also a chaotic person who reads about eight books at a time so you know I might as well just like read a chapter of one and call it currently reading (laughs) (laughs) well and I was what I was all I was gonna say was like I am a prolific reader of tarot books and uh I have not really seen a lot of what you're talking about a lot of the like laying out of like oh well you might not want to read predictively but if you do this is how you do it if you don't here's another way to approach it it's never that explicit oh okay so my my intuition in terms of this is something (laughs) we aren't talking about was on then (laughs) I'm going to throw some spaghetti at a wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> That's the my last... method of life. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to ask is, did your tarot influenced, did your, did writing this book influence your tarot practice or maybe the other way around? I think it went both ways for me. Same. Um, I've always used the cards for the creative and self-care purposes we lay out in the book, but I think it kind of amplified that. And then um, I, everything, yeah. I feel like I've always approached terror, or I've always, blah, 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 my life in theater. I have always approached it very holistically. Like I do low-key mindfulness practices with my cast at the beginning and end of rehearsal I um and on top of that I think I always see shows through the breakdown of like whatever you know tarot stuff um and even just super offhanded just in my own life like I'll be like oh yeah this is a very cupsy show or this is a very you know um or like I've said to actors like oh this is the tower moment and they've been like this is the what (laughs) okay let me back up um and at the yeah and so but I say that to say my theater has also always impacted how I read tarot and you see a ton of that in this book 
And I think to that end, I don't know that anything changed. I was just kind of explaining how both theater and writing have colored my experiences with tarot. Fantastic. So a funny thing that I noticed this week was actually that um, whenever we go through another round of edits for this book, which we just did the like last round of edits mm-hmm. for the book. Page edits. Um, woo. woo! Yes. We're done. Um, <laughs> done, done, done. But whenever we do that, I like make leaps and bounds in my other creative work. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this week on top, like this previous week and on top of doing page edits, I've been really hardcore sinking into outlining a novel. Um, and it just, they, they merge together really beautifully. I think that there's something kind of like, there's, there's the work that's on the page for lessons from the Empress. And then there's all of the work that happens as a result of working with lessons from the Empress. Um, and it's subtle. Um, sometimes it's not, but like, I think a lot <laughs> of times, like the long-term benefits are going to be really subtle. Um, and I would say that this book has reinvigorated a lot of my passion for reading tarot. I also read runes and that's kind of my specialty because fewer people do that, frankly. Um, and I had always felt like kind of bashful about hanging on to tarot in the way that I have. Um, and then a friend of mine mentioned, oh, like, if tarot was your first intuitive tool that you came to, like, maybe you're just kind of trying to keep that, like, child self, like, you know, engaged or safe or something. And I really feel like that's kind of what happened. Um, and yeah, so I think that writing this book has really brought that passion back um I really enjoy reading for clients um and you know I'm very actively like seeking more clients and you know wanting to work with more people because of my passion for tarot and learning tarot um I also think that like around the time that we were really finishing we were doing the first manuscript um, for this book it was around the time that I was really starting to gain an interest in Marseille style uh, tarot and reading. And um, that has been like a very like, oh, I'm interested <laughs> thinking about it for a day. And then a month later, I returned to the idea, you know, so it's been a very slow evolution of my tarot practice, but I can sort of credit the headspace that I was in while we were finishing lessons from the Empress with that renewed fascination. I'm just, that's gorgeous. I love it. It's it's so important for people to understand how fulfilling this creative process invigorates all of the other creative pieces of your life because it's now has somewhere to go. Uh, we are often taking ourselves out of whatever projects we were really interested in just because of that fear of failure or not being perfect the first time. And there's a first draft for everything, my love. We got, we got to do it. We got to figure out how it gets done. And I love that. Uh, I'm working on an Oracle deck right now. There's I'm about 40 cards in and it's like, this, this is what I needed. Um, we had, a, we had a loss in our family. There was a lot of stuff going on and I needed something to, to bring life back into what practice or, or 
just being able to live to see tomorrow it was it's an effort when you're sick so yeah. I'm glad that I have yeah. this beautiful project to reintegrate the, the other creative processes yeah. in my life that's well put thank you thank you yeah thank you so let's tell our listeners again where they can find each of you um, so hi, I'm Siri Vincent Pluff. You can find me at Siri.Vincent.Pluff, P-L-O-U-F as in Frank, F as in Frank. And um, you can find me at northernlightswitch.com. You'll find links to my Patreon. You'll find my blog, which I'm trying to also reinvigorate creatively. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. On Twitter, I'm at North Light Witch. And that is that is kind of a hodgepodge of things. That is less branded <laughs> than my other places. Sometimes I just like yell that I hate Dunkin' Donuts on there. So <laughs> if you want that content from me, follow me on Twitter. There you go. It's perfect. Um, I am mix.cassandra.snow on Instagram. That is mix Cassandra Snow. Um, and so it's mx.cassandra.snow. Um, my website is cassandra-snow.com. You can see I have some class series and something that I've rebranded as tarot study hall, which is like a guided tarot study. Um, you can get tickets to all that there. Find out more about me on both of our websites. I think coming soon on series if not but on mine you can certainly go ahead and pre-order lessons from the empress yes you can do that on mine as well great um and then i thought so but then i was like wait what if i'm wrong about the timing um um, oh yeah the book comes out october 1st yes i don't know if we actually said when it's coming out but it's coming out october 1st bears repeating yep and I think that just, is fun for anyone listening because that's when a lot of, you know, October is when a lot of people get newly interested in tarot. And with this book, you can see how it ties into stuff you're already doing, like self-care, like creative outlets that you have, etc. It's also in time for gifting season. Yes. Give it so to gifting everyone. Your, <laughs> gifting your witchy friends during October or gifting people for whatever midwinter holiday you celebrate um yes I think my male lady needs one yes Mm, yes give to everyone (laughs) (laughs) thank you both so much for coming on the show and hanging out with me I appreciate you both very much and I'm really excited to see what people are getting a hold of and really running with that's my favorite part when a new book comes out it's like what what are people not it's not oh this is a nice book but they really fixate on one bit and I love finding out what the one bit is yeah I'm excited for that too yeah (laughs) me too thank you so much for having me um I I appreciate your time and your attentions and uh I I would like to see you sometime online I will definitely be following each of you and so I'm so tickled (laughs) have a great day you as well thank you let us know when it comes out oh oh um October 31st or November 1st, depending on where the, I'm so excited. (laughs) And remind me, what was the new one for you? Uh, Blackthorn's Botanical Wellness. Uh, Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's self-care and ritual for, uh, of course, everyone. 
but there have the the number of self-care books that have come out recently none of them talk about chronic illness none of them talk about yeah um fat bodies none of them talk about embodying someone who is sick and still managing to practice your witchcraft there's a lot of ableist junk that gets thrown out there and um and we want to get rid of it yay <laughs> well i'm very excited for that now and then what's your podcast schedule oh this will this will go up this afternoon as soon as it's oh. finished processing great oh yeah <laughs> well and then if you can you email us like some graphics and stuff for our social media for it of course yeah cool i don't know how much of this ending conversation remember we're all trees in the forest nurture each other